Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Second and Nine podcast. Uh, we're here with you today. It's uh, Friday, November 15th. Uh, Tony D is actually on vacation right now. So we got a Buffalo Phil back with us. Uh, talk a little bit of football. Talk a little uh, Buffalo Bills. What's going on in the northern uh, New York? What's going on, Phil? Ray, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me back on. And, of course, Second and Nine fam. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, good to have you back. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a few things to unpack from last week, but uh, we got a weird situation last night in the Browns-Steelers game. Uh, you want to break that down yeah. a little bit for us, uh, that little uh, karate chop that we got from Miles Garrett, except the karate chop had uh, a helmet in it. Yeah, that was, that was wild. Um, it looked to me like, if you watch the replay from the – Eight seconds left in the game. It's twenty-one-seven. The game's over. There's no need to pile drive the quarterback into the ground there, which is what Garrett did. Um, and obviously, Rudolph's going to get frustrated at that, and the linemen are going to get frustrated at that. So there's going to going to be a little chippy at, at that. And then, yeah, and then you, you just tell Rudolph's helmet gets ripped off, and the, Rudolph should not have re-entered the scrum. He shouldn't have gone in there again with his linemen taking care of Garrett. And then Rudolph kind of goes in there. Yeah, obviously, no one deserves to get swung out with their helmet. That is incredibly foolish and ridiculous. And Miles Garrett deserves an indefinite suspension for sure. Swing it at him with the helmet like that. But uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of guilty parties, and uh, it, was just, it was just a mess. You can't even blame Pouncey for for punching and kicking Miles Garrett at that point, protecting Rudolph. And then uh, the other the other guy who was, was the guy that got the one game suspension that came in running at the end and just just took out Mason Rudolph. He's just standing there, and he just gets leveled from behind. It's completely unnecessary. It was a wild game, man. Yeah, I think when one of those things happened like that, when the helmet swung like that, I I feel like a lot of players, especially in football, look at it as like maybe a no-holds-bar. Not necessarily like that, but it's like if, if he's going to go to that level to do something like that, it's not necessarily surprising to me that uh, someone like uh, like Pouncey ended up Given a, I think it, yeah. it gave him a little bit of a kick in the head, like with the helmet on. I think it's sure. a little bit I – w- I don't want to say the action is overblown, but in terms of, like, the impact and how hard he tried to kip, kick him, I mean, it's – something like that's bound to happen, I think, when, when someone's swinging around a helmet like that, hitting someone in the yeah. head without a helmet on. Especially, yeah, uh, like, the fact that Nathan Rudolph went through that whole crazy concussion. Like, I don't know if you had seen that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many weeks ago that was now, but that was – I think that's the most like concerning thing about the situation because these guys, some of them are having their lives affected like crazy after like their careers. Are yeah. Done. And I mean, you can't be necessarily that reckless on the field. So. Yeah. Apparently, apparently he was fine. I think he got hit with like the soft portion of the helmet or the more flexible portion of the helmet as opposed I, to the, yeah, the, top I, of the crown. I think it was like the side, uh, like of the helmet, almost like under the ear. Yeah. When, when it hit him on the top of the head. So yeah, it's imagine if he would have hit him on the top of the helmet. I know. Yeah. Would have been bad news. Would have been, would have been bad. Yeah. Are you? Uh, what do you think about the suspensions handed out by the league? Are you? Do you agree with those? Uh, three games for Pouncey, indefinite for Miles Garrett, and uh, you know, the the guy from the I forget his name right now. The guy from the Browns that ran at the end and smacked Rudolph down. He's got a game. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a, a problem with it. Uh, I think that type of that type of action. It sounds – I think it would be all right if they 
suspended him for like a year. I think that if they go past that, that would be a little bit too much. Uh, I don't know if you mean the rest of. Uh, I'm talking about like uh, more of like a 16 game. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I can see that potentially happening, happening and I wouldn't necessarily be up in arms about it uh, because it was, it was pretty bad. But uh, I think in that case, like even till end of this season, that could be punishment enough. But anywhere, anywhere in between there, I think uh, like I would be fine with. Yeah. Yeah. I think he should at least get the season and, Maybe a game or two next season. Wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah. uh, In terms of – there was an actual football game that went on. Uh, (laughs) It was kind of a little bit surprising to me, but not as much surprising just because, like, the Steelers, obviously, they lose James Conner right in the beginning of that game. Juju's out. Yeah. Yeah. No weapons offensively to go against that team. And uh, they look a little anemic on offense. And, I mean, I think the – it was like almost maybe not necessarily appropriate isn't the right word to use, but just like the way the game ended like that, it, it was just like a, a hot mess from both sides. It looks like both teams uh, have been going through a lot of adversity this year and it, it kind of all the frustrations builded and then someone lost it a little bit. But in terms of play, I don't think that the, the Browns are necessarily in the clear in terms of becoming like a, a better team. I mean, they're not, we were talking about it before. They're not getting Odell involved nearly enough, and they just don't. Mm-hmm. Baker and Odell don't necessarily seem like they're on the same page, uh, at least yeah. I'm seeing. Uh, so it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to judge them going forward. They have had somewhat of a tough schedule, and they say that the schedule gets a little bit easier for them. But uh, in terms of like a playoff run, I think it would be a little bit of a stretch at this point because uh, yeah, they're gonna beat the teams in front of them. You know, like it, when you're. Uh, Four and sixteen, I think, is what they are now. Like uh, yep. usually, your record tells a story. So we'll see how much they can improve. Uh, I don't think that they're going to really improve that much offensively if Odell isn't getting involved at all. Because they need they need a passing game. Because if they do have a passing game, I mean, we've we've seen it from Chubb. the The kid yep. can can run and he runs downhill. Like he he punishes defenses. And uh, when he's rolling and yeah, they a passing game, that'd be tough. I mean, they just got Kareem Hunt back, too, and they're 2-0 and with him. And, you know, he's, he's a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield, too. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I don't, I, don't, I don't see them as a playoff threat, even in this jumbled AFC here. It's, it seems like every week it just gets more and more jumbled. But, yeah, those division games are, are always fierce. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if even the, the Steelers, I think, are, are on the outside looking in for the playoffs, too. I don't, I don't know if you get more than two teams in the playoffs from that division. I think you get the Ravens, and I don't, I don't think you, any of those other teams sneak in. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're talented enough to play spoiler and win about six to eight games. So. If, you, if you do take a look, I just brought up their schedule, and uh, I'll actually share it real quick with the audience because they do have a pretty easy schedule coming up. They have potentially five wins on the schedule. Uh, oh, left two out of the, of the last six games. Yeah. They got two of the Bengals. They got they're in Arizona. They're they're playing in Miami next week. They got the Steelers. Oh, right back, right back to the Steelers. Yeah. And then you never know the way the season goes and the way teams are playing at times. Uh, looks like week sixteen, the the week right before Christmas, they're playing at home against Baltimore, which 
it may not necessarily be a gimme game at that point for Baltimore. So, yeah, no, it looks like the upside is potentially nine wins. I, I, I yeah. can't see them winning out because they'll probably lose that Ravens game. But, yeah, I, I don't know if nine wins is going to do it this year, but the AFC is, is not necessarily the strongest. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals got to win sometime, right? I don't know if the Bengals are going to go winless. So. I, I don't know. Uh, at this rate, it's, it's possible. <laughs> they're fighting for that, that first pick because, I mean, Miami looks like they – they're a little bit more concerned with uh, showing decent play now versus the Bengals. I mean, I, uh, one of my picks this week, well, I think the, uh, it definitely wasn't a teaser, the, the Raiders against the Bengals. The Raiders at home, you figure that they're mm. going to – Josh Jacobs probably going to run wild in that game. And Derek Carr probably have a nice game. I'm looking for Waller to have a, a bounce-back game. But, yeah, I, I don't I agree, really – But that, that line – sorry, that line's at 11 and a half. Oh. Yeah, oh, that's the Raiders historically at eleven and a half. That's that's, that's tough, even against the Bengals. No, it it is a lot, and it's actually moved because uh, I think uh, initially when I saw the line it was ten and a half. Mm. So it looks like money's going going in bigly uh, for the Raiders. But uh, since we're we're having a conversation about the Browns, let's talk a little bit about that game last week. Now, I I mostly see <laughs> or I mostly saw uh highlights of that game like on red zone a little bit of nfl primetime but uh you watched that game more in depth tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about what happened in that game because it seemed like the the browns just kept shooting themselves in the foot but uh talk us yeah, I mean, about your teams. your blues on offense that you've had <laughs> yeah i mean both teams shot themselves in the foot i think i think what you're referring to is they had browns had a seven eight or nine plays at the one yard line and goal to go situations and, and they just they could not get in um even with a, a couple penalties to help them out it was just run stuff incomplete pass or they just couldn't get anything going um but yeah that was a that was a frustrating game if you're a bills fan so that was a frustrating game for no one listening except for me <laughs> um, yeah, Hashke missed a thirty. I think it was a thirty-four yard field goal, essentially an extra point. Um, and and then he missed he missed a fifty-something yarder at the end, which would have given them overtime. But yeah, I mean the D the D keeps getting gashing. It's ever since the Miami game and the Miami game in Philadelphia, they got gashed up the middle. And even against Adrian Peterson and the Redskins, they they could not stop the run. And it was just more of the same. Nick Chubb. Uh, ripped off a couple of long runs and stream hunt was catching some short passes out of the backfield. And the defense is, I think, I think the defense is coming back to earth from their really good start to start the season where they were turning the ball over. They were getting key stops. They were, now they're bending a little more. They're not breaking, um, but they are certainly bending a little more. And if you're not getting the help from the turnovers, I don't think Baker Mayfield turned the ball over. I don't think they got a turnover last game. Um, so, that definitely, and you're not going to win games. If you're, the Bills are playing like a average, slightly above average defense right now the past few weeks. It's not the elite level that they were at the beginning of the season. And uh, if you're playing like that, uh, the offense is not going to win games um, because the, the offense is, is not, has not looked good in a few weeks. I mean, obviously, they beat the Redskins, but let's be real. It was the Redskins. Um, yeah. Josh Allen, to his credit, I think he's only thrown one interception in the past past four or five weeks. Um, he has fumbled a lot, but he's been playing much more conservative than the gunslinging stuff that he was doing in the beginning of the season. Um, 
But no, yeah. they have issues. They had issues. They got issues running the ball. They got issues moving the chains. They got issues um, converting on deep passes. I don't think they've. Every time they throw deep, it's it's just an overshot or it's it's out of bounds. It's it's not good. They got to get something going on offense. I don't know if it's force feeding Devin Singletary. I don't know if it's. I don't know what it is, I th- but I think that would be a good Josh idea. Allen. I think yeah. it would be a good idea if they started uh, running the ball a little bit more consistently. I, I mean, I think that that one game, what was it like two weeks ago? Frank Gore got stuffed at the at the goal line, I think three or four times. Yeah, in a row. and then uh, yeah, and he you had pronounced on one too. you had pronounced him dead apparently. So Gore, uh, yeah, Gore, yeah. I, I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily. I th- I still think he's good enough to to get playing time, but I think Devin Singletary is actually a pretty good running back, and that's. I don't know why some of these teams, they kind of overthink things. They, they should be running another – they're another one of those teams that should be running somewhat of like an RPO offense, at least flashing it a little bit and working to the strengths of your Yeah. Because he, he, he's the shown, problem. as you said, he can't throw downfield. He's not accurate if he's throwing deep. Yeah. So, I mean, play more of like a ground and pound type uh, like offense. I, I, I say it – I've said it for like the, the Giants, but this is more so for the Giants for them to – kind of give Danny Jones some different looks like from defenses to try and like play with a defense's mind and, and find like some open looks for guys because the Giants have playmakers, but the Giants aren't as much of a fit of like the RPO offense as the Bills are. Cause I think Josh Allen fits perfectly in that type of offense. Yeah. The problem with him is he's fumbles too much. I think he's fumbled like 11 times this season. Um, I think he's only lost about three of those, but, but still it's, it's just unfortunate for the, the lineman top jumping on the ball, but he's got it. He's got to do. He's a great runner. He does look great when they when they call those draw plays and and when he's just run, uh, breaking uh, containment and he's just running around the outside the pocket uh, when the pocket collapses and he sometimes he'll look great on the run and he can run it and throw it, but uh, he gets a little reckless sometimes and that ball comes out. He's got to do a much better job of hanging on to the football before I <laughs> am confident with him running around that much. I'm not even concerned about him getting hurt. Yeah, he's a big guy. I, I didn't think he can take some hits, but he's a ball security issue. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it about uh, Daniel Jones, too, on this podcast. So that's kind of why he was uh, dubbed the name Danny Loose Change by Tony D, the, yeah. the Cowboys okay. fan. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I, I, I've gone to an argument with Tony, T, Tony D before about it being a – a correctable issue i think it is uh, it's just got to be more agree, of a, making more of a conscious effort to to be paying attention to it i mean tiki barber did it and he's a running back yeah uh so, yeah and that's a lot that's a position that you're taking a lot more hits and it's a lot more difficult to hold on to the ball every single time so it's, it's definitely something that they can both improve that but the yeah the the bills are like one of those teams i think that somewhat similar to the cowboys they need to try to run like pound the ball on the ground and uh, you have some smaller receivers, albeit, but quick receivers and Cole Beasley and John Brown that as long as they can get a step on a guy where this, the safeties or like the secondary maybe bite potentially or the linebackers bite on like a, a fake handoff, like an RPL type offense, it, you can find easy, guys running easily yeah. wide open like on slants or out routes or even yeah. just flies like if it's in the – especially like in the slot for – if a linebacker commits. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much there, there is to say, uh, Elsa, like, I guess on the bills, they're, they're kind of like a predictable team, but they're gonna, they're gonna play good pass defense 
and probably get gashed a little bit like on the ground uh, defensively. But I, I think overall they, they've shown like a, a good ability to, to keep the other teams to a low score. Even if they're getting gashed on the ground, yeah. they're keeping the other teams yeah, out of the true. end zone. So yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a definitely a takeaway. The red zone offense has been decent too. So they're, they're getting around the red zone. It's just, yeah. Well, because they actually decide to, to run Josh Allen in some of those plays. They have him exactly. rolling out or, or running like one of those draw plays. But yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. uh, in terms of uh, some of the other key games, like from the week, the Giants-Jets game was absolutely abysmal to watch. <laughs> so as a Giants fan, I told you earlier, they screwed me on my, uh, my entertainment uh, bets that I had made. Uh, I had the Giants that they were the only ones that I didn't cover on. But, uh, yeah, from that game, like a, a few of the like takeaways for me from the game, I mean, Daniel Jones put up numbers. He had four touchdowns uh, over 300 yards. So, I mean, he, he played well in that sense. But the offensive line has just been it's the same, I guess, similar to what you said about the Bills run defense. They're getting gashed. The offensive line is just getting battered. And there are times where I understand, like, he – he has the fumbling problem and he's got to get the ball out quicker. Sometimes though, it's, uh, it's like, kind of hard to watch with how bad like the offensive line is collapsing. And then like soldier got hurt in the game and it made it even worse. And the, I mean, the giants had plenty of opportunities to win that game, but with the combination of the offensive line playing so poorly and Barkley getting one yard on however yeah. many carries he had, it wasn't his yeah. Uh, and then plus the defense playing terrible uh, and just getting gutted by Sam Darnold. It's, it's not a, it's not a bright future right now for a Giants fan. Yeah. Do you think that's your number one priority in off season is to share that offensive line? Cause you got, you can, if you, if you protect Jones and uh, you create some holes for Barkley, I think, you know, you guys can do something on offense as long as you share up the line. Yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on how they want to do it. I mean, they could have done it a few years ago with, uh, Andrew Whitworth, Tony D was the one that he had, he had made that call initially, like when the Rams signed him, he's like, why aren't the Giants going after him? It was probably just because he was an older player and it was a, a big mm. miss on their part because now they're committed to Nate Solder who hasn't played well. He's getting paid a lot of money. So it's, it's not necessarily looking like a great decision to not sign him, but I don't know. I, I have different viewpoints sometimes on, on drafts because I think sometimes Barkley, yes, is probably going to end up, if he doesn't get hurt, he's a Hall of Fame type talent. But are you, are you, actually, are you guys going to win games? Oh, I'm not crazy for saying that Barkley's like a Hall of Fame talent type player. I don't, I I don't mean, get you, chuckle over there. Well, I think that's, that's getting our head of ourselves. Wait, are you saying – I'm saying talent, talent. He hasn't put up numbers. Okay. He hasn't played long enough, obviously. But okay. I, uh, I think he's a talent, Hall of Fame talent. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know. Watching that game, the the defense – or, excuse me, the offensive line, just uh, not only like the pass offense like I was alluding to before, to get one carry uh, or one yard on all those carries for Barkley, every single time he got handed the ball, he was getting hit in the backfield. Uh, I haven't seen like a run blocking that bad in a while from any teams. Yeah. Uh, you are the Jets. The Jets were also coming off a disgusting loss to, to the winless. I think they were winless at the time, Dolphins. And you know, it was it was all fire gates, fire gates. And uh, I, I'm sure that that and plus the you're playing the crosstown rivals. I'm sure all that worked the Jets up a little bit. Um, 
So maybe <laughs> I don't know. The Jets aren't very good either, and you still lost them. But uh, what what do you think yeah, about that, what do you think about the uh, the coaching situation right now for both teams? Because we were talking about it last week. We did an episode with Dietz and Zaddy on Sunday, talking about the, this game specifically, and I was already pretty much punting on Shermer and Gase. They weren't as necessarily as quick to do so, but I think it's it's yeah. been so horrendous. And I, I know, like you can't you can't go into hiring a situation where you're hiring a coach and have them gone in two years and think that that's a process where you're giving a fair shot to the coach to build like a legitimate team. But how bad yeah. these teams have looked, you I think you can justify getting rid of both of them at the end of the year. And it's crazy enough for Gase because he's he's only one, not even a season in yet. Yeah, I mean, the Jets look like they're taking a page from the Knicks book and just <laughs> if you get rid of if you get rid of an NFL coach in one season, I I don't know like what what you I mean, like, I don't I, I, they're not going to do it because like Chris Johnson just come, came out the other day and he had a press conference and said that he's our guy we're we're going to go into the season next season with him as our coach, so yeah, I, I, mean, I was looking can. at like your opinion cuz I I I felt like I was on an island last week, but I mean, it's it's been so bad to the point where it's uh, it's at that that sort of level where it's almost justifiable. Um, I don't. I mean, personally, I didn't see the Jets as a playoff team coming into the season. I, I, what they got? What are they two and eight? Like I, you can they can finish. I, I, no, I I don't think he's a good coach by any means, but. I think if you blow it up after one year, I think you're probably shooting yourself in the foot because who are you gonna who are you gonna hire if you're gonna hire someone who are you gonna hire different this year that you wouldn't have gotten last off season? Michael. Um, is, uh, I mean, is he available? <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, I think that they just weren't interested in him. I uh, I think that Gase made a I guess a really good impression on the Johnsons, and then they hire him, and then he gets McCagnan fired, and. I mean, it, uh, that's already like dysfunction to begin with, but uh, they had a, ch a chance to get McCarthy last year. McCarthy got let go by the Packers. So I, I thought that he was, I, I think one of our first episodes, I talked about that too, where we, uh, we were just talking about that situation. I thought that it could have been a good, uh, a decent fit at least. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of McCarthy, but I think with uh -huh. his, his, uh, his way that he brought up Aaron Rodgers from uh, like being a young player yeah. into like mold you could say he molded them or whatever uh, it's to anybody's discretion, but Rogers turned into and blossomed into like a great, great quarterback, uh, hall of fame quarterback. And I don't, I also, yeah. they have a, a young quarterback there in, in New York, like yeah. with the jets. So it's seemed like somewhat of a decent fit, at least made more sense than Gase for me. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I think you have to stick with Gase this season. You can't three, Next year would be uh, Darnold's third year, and he'd have three different offensive systems. I, I, I don't think that – like, how do you – that just puts the kid in a terrible position. I'm not a huge fan of him to begin with, but I think you have to at least – this is just my opinion. You have to at least try for some sort of continuity there, um, and you got to sort of ride the ship again next year. As far as Shermer, uh, this is the second season, and I – you know, you speak to it more than I do, but the the – but I've seen. I I'm not a fan. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Shermer. Um, and yeah, I think I think it wouldn't be crazy if if they if they went the new head coach route next offseason, start fresh with Danny Danny D. Yeah, because I think that the, one of the highest priorities that I like I'll, I'll try and I guess make my point with this 
one of the highest prior highest priorities that each of these teams should have is developing the young quarterback because yeah, that those types of players have on the franchises and on the teams. If you're yeah. in a situation where you're bringing these these head coaches back and you have an inkling that they're the, they're not the solution in the future, and you hold on to them for an extra year, that's an extra year that you're you're losing with development of your your quarterback and then obviously the rest of your team and everyone having to learn like new systems and stuff when new coaching staff has come coaching staffs come in. So, I mean, the change could be inevitable and they could be just hitting the pause on, button on it right now, which could set them back. And that's one of the biggest concerns that I have. Cause I, I kind of feel like that could be the case. I think Shermer is definitely on thinner ice than, than Gaze at this point. Uh, but I don't, yeah. I don't really think that the giants are going to get rid of Shermer yet. Uh, at the end of the season, if maybe if they don't win another game the rest of the season and they go two and 14, then I can maybe see them pulling the trigger. But if they win like five games, I don't, I don't think that they're going to get rid of them yet. I think they'll probably give them another shot. Yeah, I think, I think some of the teams get away from it. It's also good to have a, another Giants have it with Eli Manning, but a veteran backup there, um, just so a guy can, you know, learn the ropes from. I don't, the Jets don't have that. Uh, they have Trevor Simeon and uh, uh, whoever their backup quarterback. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think that's something that I think has gotten away from teams in recent years. There's throwing the young kids into the fire and letting them go. I'm a little more old school. I like to uh, let I like to let them sit a little bit. For me, I'm more of a a proponent of just getting them out there. I, I think if they're good enough, then they'll be able to survive it, and they won't they won't lose like their their confidence permanently over it. I, I think the the guys that are good ultimately are the ones that are the most resilient and hardest working. So they'll I think they'll they'll find a way in those cases. But the jury's still out on the two uh, quarterbacks in New York, at least in New York. Yeah. State. yeah, and I think also in New York State. But that's just me. Who gets fired first, David Fisdale or one of the football coaches? Uh, let's not talk about the Knicks or anything to do with the Knicks. Because not, not only are they bad, but you also scared me out of that uh, that entertainment bet of uh, their no, was, under for the season, 27 wins. Was, that would have been the easiest uh, entertainment in the world. I was dead wrong. They look terrible. Yeah, they're pretty bad. But uh, let's, uh, let's keep it moving now for uh, – for this week's purposes, at least for uh, breaking down games from last week. Do you end up uh, watching that Seahawks game? Seahawks? Uh, no, I didn't. So, I didn't. But I, yeah, I, was, I was confident in the Seahawks going in there and uh, and at least losing by less than, I think, six and a half is why. Um, yeah, we I actually – the Seahawks are better. But I think the Seahawks are probably the better team, and I don't know how long the 49ers can go undefeated. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me that result. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I'd say the Seahawks are definitely a better team. I think that the 49ers probably outplayed them in that game, but the Seahawks made some of those key plays, like that clowny strip sack uh, and took for a touchdown. Obviously, those are game-changing plays. And the 49ers didn't really capitalize on some of their uh, opportunities that they had to, to really like close out that game. I was really frustrated at the end of the game. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. They basically – they went for it uh, three three downs in a row in overtime. I think with about I must have been like four minutes left or so. They had it. They three or no less than that actually. 
three times in a row, they, they do quick passes, three incompletions, and the clock's just stopped. And I think at this point, we're under two minutes uh, after third down. And they ended up giving the ball back. And these guys, like the Seahawks, ended up uh, finishing the game off like in overtime. So it's, it was kind of, kind of frustrating to watch on the 49ers standpoint because I know it, it, you hear all this whole mantra all the time of these guys, you, like you need, to, you need to play to win the game, like as Kerm Edwards famously said. But in yeah. this case, you could have hedged your bet a little bit uh, with like the strategy that you could have gone in like with that last drive when they went three and out like that. Because if you run the ball on first down, you get the clock moving. And then just from, from that point on, I think they had one timeout left the Seahawks really wouldn't have enough time if you ended up punting on that drive to drive all the way down the field and get like a, a field goal at the end, unless you completely botch the coverage. So if they, if they do that, then they can at least guarantee themselves a tie and considering it's a division rival and they, they don't like lose a game on the, the Seahawks. Now the Seahawks are really only up a half or down a half a game by the, the 49ers. So it's, uh, I thought that that was a little bit of a risky like, call on their part. And I, I, I definitely would have made sure I, run off, I ran off some of that clock in the, on that last drive. So I think that that was where they – that wasn't necessarily the, the only time that they uh, – or spot in the game that they, they lost the game but because uh, obviously the, the kicker missed his kick. But there was also like, – I think that situation was, was a problem for them. And I think that, that cost them the game. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, and uh, at least the Seahawks have, you know, been there before in those, those bigger situations. 49ers are kind of bursting on the scene here. Um, so it'll be interesting. Could be a could be a playoff sort of preview. It was, it was a huge game for a home field advantage. Um, but they look like they play each other again the last week of the season. Um, it'll be another interesting one there. That will be interesting, too, because it'll be in Seattle, and Seattle hasn't necessarily – I don't think they're calling their crowd the 12th man anymore because they don't seem to have, like, a big-time home field advantage. I think some of those fans went over to watch the, the soccer team for some reason because <laughs> I hear that that crowd is, like, kind of rowdy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Seahawks are, are one of those teams that – I actually – it's funny. When I was, I was talking to my dad about it, and I was like the, – the, the way that I see this game going is – it's going to be like within a three point game at the end. And then Russell Wilson is going to get the ball with like five minutes left and end up scoring, putting up points. And then uh, that was my reasoning behind taking the, the Seahawks and thinking that like they, they would cover that six and a half point spread, which yeah, you, I, and Tony D took uh, as like our picks this week. So at, at least we, we got one right, or at least I got one right. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that it was a it was a great game to watch, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, like going into the I think the second matchup, and then potentially maybe a playoff matchup because as you said, one of these teams could potentially get the number one seed and the home field advantage throughout the rest of the yeah and it, playoffs. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and if they're both, if they're both, if they're both sitting there with with good, with playoff seeding that can't move in the last week, and how how much do you even show your cards in the last game there of the season? There, if if it's not gonna matter too much, it might be a backup game. But with them only being down by a half a game or, I guess, one game in the loss column, that could basically set the, the seedings and who's going to win the division, who's going to be a wild card. So it, That's true it, too. It, it all depends on how the rest of the games go. If those teams continue to win, it could, yeah. it could be worth everything in terms of, like, the regular season huge. round. Yeah, it could be huge too. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, that was uh, one of the other games to touch on. And then the last one was uh, Vikings Cowboys. And this one was, was interesting because there were a lot of different factors uh, and I guess storylines going into the game. I think one of them being that Kirk Cousins does not play well in prime time and he has a terrible record in prime time, like night games, especially Sunday nights. He historically plays the best, obviously one o'clock uh, in Minnesota, but it's, it's very telling how much his, his numbers drop off and his wins drop off uh, when he's playing in prime time. And I mean, he, he showed up and I criticized him. I think last week a little bit, Tony D called me out on it and, yeah, he had a he had a good game. I think that going forward and, and getting that fourth down uh, running rushing touchdown by Dalvin Cook that he got late in the game, obviously huge huge call to go for, and then huge call to or huge play to to punch in the end zone. But uh, what what did you necessarily see from this game from like either team? Like, or did that did that game change your mind about these teams? Because not it didn't yeah, change my mind. I think from uh, I think these teams are very even. So I, I can see it going maybe the other way uh, and the Cowboys beating them. And if they played 10 times, I could see it maybe being five and five. I think they're pretty yeah. similar teams. Yeah, well, that's like, that's, what is that? 60% of the league, right? They're, they're going to be between six wins and nine wins. And it, it, it's all a matter of a, one play here, two plays there. It, 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 all these teams are really, really close. Not, I'm not talking about the elite teams at the top. You know, Seahawks, Niners, Patriots. Ravens, maybe. And then you have the bottom feeders, Redskins, Bengals, Jets, Giants, et cetera. And then, like, uh, that whole lump of teams in the middle there. You can throw the Cowboys and the Vikings in there, the Eagles, the Bills. Uh, all these teams are the Steelers, probably Raiders. Very, very, what separates them and what, sep- what makes them is really, is really airtight, in my opinion. Um, so, like you said, the Vikings are seven and three, and the Cowboys are what are they five and four? But but they're they're very I think they're evenly matched, and uh, the ball's just broken the Vikings Vikings way a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you buy do you buy the Vikings? And are they as good as their seven and three record? And are, do you think the Cowboys are better than their five and four record? I think that they're probably they're probably right in between that. I think that the Cowboys are a little bit better than that record. And I think the, the Vikings, I think the Vikings potentially, yeah, that maybe you can consider them at some point as that seven and three, like win percentage type team. Uh, but they've, they've shown inconsistencies at times too. Like these are, I think these are teams that have like ups and downs throughout the season. I don't think that their their teams necessarily on the, I guess the higher end of the spectrum when it comes to the, the real contenders like for the Super Bowl. So I think that they're they're both potential playoff teams. Uh can compete wild card round and possibly divisional round if they get hot towards the end of the season. But I think ultimately there's they're not in like that upper echelon of teams. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um before we log off for the day, uh let's uh oh, let's get your picks since since you're on you're the big uh the Bills Homer fan. The Bills are a, as of right now, yeah. Kings six and a half point favorite in my. Yeah. Uh, is this one of your games that you're picking this week? Uh, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Um, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take the Bills at minus six and a half. Um, I surprise, surprise. I think the Fitz, I think the <laughs> I think the Fitz magic is going to run out. I don't. I, I can't see the Dolphins winning three in a row. Um, Fitzpatrick's about to get. The Fitz magic's going to wrap. The interceptions are going to start to pile up. Uh, Bills coming off a really frustrating loss against like a game that they would have been very very helpful. Um, I think they'll come out and I think they'll come out strong against the Dolphins. So I'll take the Bills at minus six and a half. How about you? You want to touch that game or no? Fair. Uh, I have, I have not made my official picks for this week yet, and I don't think I'm. Okay. Gonna do. I got to look through like the. I got to really think about all the other games in depth if I want to take this game because this one is a really tough spread for me. Honestly, just looking at it firsthand, I would probably initial reaction take the Dolphins plus six and a half just because mm. they're at least on an uptrend right now, two two games in a row, and I, the Bills haven't shown enough on offense for them to now let me consider them as a team that can cover seven points uh, in any given yeah, game because they're fair. just not scoring that's, enough. So yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, I, I, I think the Bills can and should win this game, but six and a half points is not something that I'm confident in them uh, at this point in time right now. Oh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, the last thing I, I wanted to uh, throw out there, and if, if you had changed your mind from before we started recording, feel free to, uh, to, to jump in and provide one. But one guy that I, I've been – a player I've been keeping my eye on a little bit in terms of like a, a future sleeper, a guy that I think it can prove a lot as a player and potentially make like a big impact and wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if at some point it, when his rookie deal is up, if he's not re-signed, I can see – the New England Patriots picking him up in a heartbeat, and that's uh, Hunter Renfro. I think uh, he was a guy that I – I mean, he obviously made that big play in the national championship game at Clemson or that Deshaun Watson-led team, and uh, he shows to me a guy that obviously works really hard and just follows and still utilizes, like, the fundamentals, uh, like, of the game, whether that's, like, his, his footwork and his routes – making sure like he's, he's gets two hands on the ball when he's catching it. And he, he doesn't make any of the, like, the stupid mental mistakes, at least from what I've seen so far. And I think he's got underrated quickness and agility too. I, I think he's a, a kid that obviously got good hands and he did, he seems like a guy that will end up in, in new England at some point. Cause he he's that, that's the type of guy that uh, Belichick breeds in that locker room. Like the guy that, that does his job and, and has like really good fundamentals, but I, I kind of want to see him evolve a little bit more in this offense because this offense could could turn into uh, a pretty interesting one. Especially, yeah. not only uh, not only do they have like all these other guys, they're moving to Las Vegas. They're going to be playing on turf indoors, so like it, they can take advantage of like some of the speed that they have. Because maybe Josh Jacobs isn't necessarily a speed guy, but Darren Waller's a I mean a freak that you know that I, I've talked about a lot. I think Yeah, you are all about you are all about these guys. About, the about big no, but the funniest part is that Tony D was the one that actually he was the one that before any of this happened, before they had this draft and they've really evolved into this sort of team right now. They still have a lot to prove, but our, one of our closing statements for the year uh, as we wound down like the last season when we started the podcast was for me it was Mahomes obviously that was a storyline and him he wanted to talk about the Raiders and how they were uh, how he likes how their their future is shaping up even though they gave away Khalil Mack or they traded him for a lot they got a lot for him 
Uh, I mean, Gruden has showed so far that he's starting to mold this team and That's starting fun. starting them like with a lot of young players, a lot of young well, talent. I think it's a it's a recipe for a, a potential good team. So it's uh, I think it's something to keep an eye on. Because I, I think if Carr continues to develop, he's going to start to have weapons now. And if they can either draft or maybe get another uh, receiver free agency, they'll have a pretty loaded offense. Because I think with uh, with Waller and and Renfro playing on the inside, you got a guy, a bigger receiver on the outside. The offense could be looking pretty good. Well, John Green also likes Nate Peterman, so let's let's hold off on that. John Green, <laughs> you revived Nate Peterman's career. I, I'm assuming you, <laughs> you watch Hard Knocks. Uh, enough to know that he likes Nate Peterman. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, Full disclosure. You know, uh, spoiler alert. You know who would be a you were saying Hunter Renfro would be a good uh, Patriots wide receiver. You know who would be a great New England Patriot wide receiver. It looks like a guy that Tom Brady would throw to and catch a hundred passes a game. Brett Gardner, the New York Yankees. <laughs> Brett Gardner, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. <laughs> that's a, that's a decent comparison. That's actually pretty funny. Uh, but I mean, am I, am I saying anything out of school? I think Renfro looks. he, no, he fits the mold right, with the same type of players. But I think he, he can flourish in the with the Raiders. They're, they're a run heavy offense, but uh, he's one of those re- reliable guys that. He seems like a guy that can develop into one of those players that can get you like first downs on key third downs and and keep the like the chains moving. So it's uh yeah I, I think I I've seen I've seen enough. There were there were at certain points when I've seen him in the past. It was kind of like not I wasn't fully convinced. I saw I thought maybe maybe there was something there, but I, I'm I'm starting to see it more. I mean, obviously he's making he's making more plays now, so it's uh. Yeah, I, I I think uh going into next year he's he could be a guy to to take the, the leap uh in terms of like you heard it here level. first, second and nine, Sam. I'm sure Hunter someone else Renfro. has said it before, but uh I guess not, I, I'm drinking the Raiders Kool Aid. Not to be confused with the San Diego Padres right <laughs> corner outfielder Hunter <laughs> Renfro, the exact same name. Hunter Renfro. Baseball lummy, reference. Lummy, yeah, a Renfrance. Uh, let me let me sneak in some more picks because you kind of cut me off. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the Dallas Cowboys minus six and a half against the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford's out. The Cowboys just came off a tough loss, and next week the Cowboys looking look at I had to play New England. I I think the Cowboys need this game, so I think the Cowboys are gonna come and cover that six and a half points. I'm gonna also take the New York Jets plus two and a half. The Redskins are terrible. I'm gonna take the New England Patriots. Minus four um, against the Eagles. Patriots coming off a bye and a loss. Um, Eagles coming off a bye too, but and that's in Philly. But I don't think New England's losing two in a row, especially off a bye. And do I have one more pick? Do I have one more pick? Did we do? That's five. Um, oh, that's four so far. That's four. All right. Well, I will give you right before we sign off. <laughs> the. The show prep for this, for this show is incredible. Jaguar. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars plus two and a half against against Indianapolis. You do um, know that Jacoby Brissett's playing, right? Do you do know that Nick Foles is playing? Jacksonville will not be the Minshew team anymore. So let's see. It'll be interesting to see this new look. Let's see how they can do. I'm gonna take the Jaguars plus two and a half. Colts, as I said before, we went on every game, loser win. Tight, tight ball game. Yeah, um, no, that's that's a that's a good point. It's uh, 
that's why we have you on. We bring you that uh, that in-depth Buffalo as well as Indianapolis insight. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you for that. I'll, I'll keep that in mind when I'm when I'm placing my entertainment bets. Just entertainment uh, only. You keep in mind, Brett Gardner looks like a Patriots wide receiver. <laughs> that that is, uh, I think that's a quote from uh, from the second and nine fam going into like, the, the podcast universe. But uh, I think that's it for for us for tonight and uh we'll be back on sunday with tony d to, to preview like the rest of the games do our picks but uh i guess until then thank you uh buffalo phil for joining uh, we're signing off yeah, for second and nine we'll have a good weekend talk to you on Later, sunday guys.